So today we're going to be talking about identity, one of my favorite topics to talk about. Uh, our church saying is a people living out their identity and purpose in Christ. It's central to our faith. It is central to our walk with God. And so today, this is going to be a little bit more interactive. I am going to ask specific questions at specific times, and I would like you to please write them down on the paper. There's pens in the seats in front of you. If you're in the front row, just, you know, borrow one from some, uh, the row behind you or whatever. So go ahead and grab a pen. Get ready. I do believe that God is going to speak to each one of us during, say, the question time or the response time at the end throughout this message. But here's the thing. You don't have to wait for me to ask a question because I've given Holy Spirit permission to talk to you whenever he wants to throughout this whole time. So if you feel like Holy Spirit is prompting you to write something down about your identity, then write it down. Or maybe you're, you're more visual and artistic, so sketch it out. Okay, can we do that? Okay. So in order, you know, saying that we're a people that are living out our identity in Christ and we're living out our purposes in Christ, in order to live out our purpose, we have to know who we are in him. We have to know who he made us to be. And this is not something where if you've walked with God for 30 years, you know your identity, you're secure in it, and God never talks to you about it again. Here's the thing. He's continually reminding us of who he made us to be because we live in a world that is continually, continually tearing us down. There's an enemy of our souls that is continually trying to get us to agree with and partner with the lies and the accusations that he speaks over us. Sometimes they're just thoughts running through our head and other times he'll use someone else to speak those accusations and lies. So this is so important. We, we don't get away from knowing who we are in God. And living out our purpose in, in Christ is a good thing. We can all do good things for God, right? But we can do good things for God out of a false identity. And God is not looking for a bunch of do-gooders. There's lots of other faiths that have do-gooders in them. You don't even have to believe in a God and be a do-gooder. God is not looking for minions. He's not looking for all these like little people to carry out his master plan. He's not looking for an army of robots where we all act the same and believe the same and look the same. We each carry a unique resemblance to our Heavenly Father. We each have a diverse part of his character and who he is in us, and we need to live that out. And it's important to know our identity because our good works that we're supposed to be doing, doesn't mean we don't do good works, um, our good works that we're doing are supposed to flow from a place of security in knowing that we are beloved. We don't do good works so we can strive to become beloved. We operate from a foundational security that we are beloved. So one of the first questions you can write down is, well, don't write the question down, answer it. And this is just for you. You can show it to people if you want, but I want you to write it down for you. Are you secure 
in your belovedness, not were you securing it a long time ago. Are you securing your beloved re- belovedness right now? Or are you striving right now to become beloved? So when we decide to follow Jesus and we decide to make him the king of our lives, we become a part of God's family. And when we're a part of God's family, there's a new family identity that we have in him. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. Family identities. As followers of Jesus, we have to remind ourselves of who we are because we're a part of the family of God. But we also have to know who we are as unique individuals. So you guys know I love definitions, definitions of identity. Um, One of them is the characteristics determining who or what a person or thing is. Now, you guys can just shout that out. One of, you know, well-known character is Yoda from from Star Wars. What are some things that make Yoda, Yoda? He's green. What else? Big ears. Cute. (laughs) Wait, what did you, oh, he flies. Okay. He's short. What? <laughs> he has a very interesting way of talking and mixing up his words. What makes him not Grogu from The Mandalorian? Wisdom and he's old. Yes. Okay, so those are some things that define Yoda. If you are not those things, you might not be Yoda, right? Another definition of identity. This more has to do with like an object. Serving to establish who the holder, owner, or wearer is by bearing their name and often other details such as a signature or a photograph. An example of this would be a driver's license. Okay, so your driver's license is often called your ID. Do you have your ID card with you? Do you have the card that identifies who you are? And it has all kinds of fun things. They aren't the sum of who you are, but it tells how tall you are, how much you weigh, what your eye color is, and if you need to wear glasses and corrective lenses and what your hair color is. Isn't it so fun to just be known by those numbers and those things on a little ID card? And the picture that you took, you know, 10 years ago that might not look like you. Another definition of identity is the condition of being oneself and not another. And I think of identical twins. Identical twins can look the same. They might have the same mannerisms. They might even like the same things, but they're not the same person. They have unique characteristics and they share a common you know, egg or whatever in the womb, but they're different. They can be identified as different. So our identities first have to come from God who he is, who he says we are, because we're made in his image. So the very first identity that we ever have here on this earth is as a son or a daughter. So before you're ever a brother or a sister, before you're ever um, a, a friend, an employee, a coworker, a boss, whatever other identities you hold in your life, your very first one is to these human parents of yours, a son or a daughter. And that's also our very first identity is we are a son or a daughter of God. So before we ever belonged to our human parents and before we ever came into this earth, we were a son or a daughter of God. And not just a son or a daughter, a beloved son or daughter of God. So somewhere on your card, you can choose beloved. You could write beloved son, beloved daughter of God, but that is foundational. If we don't get that right, 
we will get off course on a lot of other things. We'll start to strive. We'll start to try and hustle to prove our worth. We'll forget that we bear resemblance to our Heavenly Father. So our true identity is rooted in God and, and who we are in relationship to him. But we often, and I'll say we all at different times, live out of a false identity even after coming into relationship with Jesus. Why? <laughs> um, I think the easiest answer is that it's easier to agree with what the enemy says about us. It's easier to agree with the things that maybe our families of origin have spoken over us or someone, you know, a friend maybe, or maybe someone who doesn't like you. It's easier to agree with those things than it is to agree with what God says about us because sometimes the things he says about us are too good to be true or they seem too good to be true. And the thing with accusations and false identities is that they have to be somewhat believable, right? So there's always an element of truth in them. So a lie doesn't have to be the exact opposite of the, of the truth. It just has to skew your perspective just enough to get you to believe a lie. Now, it could be something that seems positive, like I'm the glue that holds my family together. If that is your identity and your family of origin, whether someone said that to you or you just believe that yourself, I actually had that belief and I was like, I, I've got to make sure everyone's okay. Mom, dad, brothers. And it took a, a prayer session with Jan where God showed me and I, you know, I was like sobbing. I wasn't ready for it. I didn't realize it was such a, uh, a, had such a stronghold in my mindset, but I was uh, just heard, you get to be the sister. It, was, it had to do with my brothers. You get to be the sister and I'm their father. And I just started weeping because I was carrying this responsibility, this weight of, I started rebelling against God and I brought my brothers with me. We started going to parties together and now here I am and I'm following God, but my brothers weren't following God and I felt responsible for them. And I felt like even more so than my parents, it was my job to like pray for them. And God was like, I didn't say that you were the glue that holds your family together. So it could be a good thing. So as I'm sharing these things, if there's something that like pops into your head, like, oh, I've carried this identity and maybe it's not from God. Just write it down. There's no wrong answers here. Just write things down. Another thing, like I said, a little bit of truth is something I um, believe because it's true is um, I'm the weak link with physical challenges. Okay. So physical challenges, like in a group, like let's just say, you know, when I've, I climbed Mount St. Helens with my sister-in-law, Amy and my friend, Jamie, and, uh, they're just total studs. And I was the weak link. Okay. I was the one that they were like, come on, let's, let's help you get up this mountain and let's help you get down this mountain. There's a little bit of truth in that. I've done other things like the Spartan race. And once again, everyone's like, let's help Tamar finish the, you know, get across the finish line. There's a little bit of truth in that. Right. But is that what God says about me? Oh, thanks guys. <laughs> no, he doesn't believe that about you. I'm just saying it's very easy to believe false identities and live out of them. That was the point of that. So why do we need to know our true identity? 
Number one, so we can intimately connect with God and others. We have to know this because when we live outside of our identity, we cannot experience fullness in our relationships with God or other, other people. If I believe that I am rejected, I will act rejected when I'm around other people. I will act rejected when I come to God. God doesn't want to meet with me. He's rejecting me. And so it limits us in experiencing fullness. We need to know our true identity so we won't be derailed by labels, shame, and difficult trials. Labels, ones you might have thought about yourself or other people put on you, they put you in a box. And then shame comes along and it's a liar. And it'll, tell, it'll say things to you like, who do you think you are? And if you don't know who you are, you start to question. Difficult trials come along, deaths or unexpected tragedy, foreclosure on a house, and it'll get us to doubt God's character. Why would God allow that to happen to you? And if you don't know that you are beloved, then you'll start to agree with that. So we don't allow our worth and our belonging to be dictated by our roles and titles. We all do this, but roles are assignments, okay? If you work at a certain job, if you are um, you know, a mom or a dad, if you are a teenager, you don't stay a teenager forever, okay? That's a role or an assignment you have in your life. And those roles can shape us and form us, but they don't or uh, define us because a role or an assignment can end. It can be taken away, but an identity cannot. Okay, so we don't drown in comparison to others. You know this, you know, it's like the meme everywhere. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is a trap. Comparison is a trap and it will get us stuck. Comparing our bodies to other people's bodies, comparing our giftings and talents or what we think is a lack to other people's giftings and talents, comparing our style of parenting or our marriage or our friendships to other people. It's a trap and it always causes us to step out of our identity. Okay, so we don't live out of our wounds. We have a, a group that we've done at different times and um, it's called The Genesis Process and it was written by an author, Michael Dye, and it's, it's all about identity. It's all about knowing who you are. And he says, our wounds, or you are not your wounds. You might be living out of your woundedness, but your wounds are not your identity. And how often do we make our wounds and our trauma a part of our identity? We need to know our identity so that we're able to have a supernatural boldness and radical love for people. If we are insecure in who we are, we cannot love people radically. We cannot be bold in our forgiveness for people because any ministry that is authentic will flow out of our identity. Because we can obey, we can serve out of a false identity. But to really love people, to forgive people that have really hurt you, to pray blessing over them, you have to be secure in who you are. And of course, so we can live in freedom and we can invite others into that freedom. We don't want to invite people into come try to be a do-gooder with me. Come try to live really righteous. And we have lots of rules and it's like so not fun, but like it's good. Like we're going to be good people and we're going to get to heaven. No, we want to invite people in and say, look how free we are. Look how free. Do you want to be free too? So our identity as followers of Jesus comes from what Jesus has done through us, through his life, death, and resurrection.
And so we have to know, and I, this is not a, a comprehensive list or exhaustive, exhaustive, comprehensive. Um, it's, it's not everything. These are just a few of my favorites, but you might have maybe seen on like a big bookmark or somewhere on the internet, you know, like this is who we are in Christ. And there's like a scripture that goes along with each thing. So don't say in your mind, well, duh, I know that. Uh, obviously we're this, obviously we're that. I want you to ask yourself, as I'm saying each of these things, do you actually believe that yourself? And you'll know because you'll live out the things that you believe. So do you actually believe these things? We are, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, we are chosen. We are chosen to bear fruit and to be holy. John 15, 16 says, you didn't choose me, Jesus is saying this to his disciples, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God chose you to bear fruit. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. I'm just going to read 4. Um, for he chose us in him. So God chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So that's one of your identities. As a follower of Jesus, we are accepted by the Father the story of the lost son that comes home, it's in Luke 15. And I just love what it says. I mean, sometimes I just go back and just reread that when I forget that I'm beloved. It says about the father, but while he was still a long way off, or this is about the son coming home to the father, um, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Remember, the lost son had squandered his inheritance, had lived a rebellious, dishonoring life, but at his lowest point said, maybe I'll go back and be a servant or a slave to my father. And his father ran to embrace him, saw him a long way off, threw his arms around him and kissed him. That is what God does for you. When you are a long way off, when you are lost, we are forgiven and redeemed Psalm 103 is one of my favorite Psalms. It says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, all your selfishness, all the ways you miss the mark, he forgives it all. And he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, Anyone else ever been in a pit? God redeems your life from the pit and he crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, we have to get this one. If we don't get this one, we, we might get some of these other ones, but we have to get this one. We are deeply loved. We are deeply loved. Ephesians 3 17 through 19 says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love from that place that you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp. So we need power, the power of the spirit to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We can't be filled to the measure of the fullness of God if we're do-gooders, if we're robots in God's army. We have to know we're deeply loved. 
Okay, we are God's children. John 1.12 says, yet to all who did receive him, if you have received Christ, then to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. First John 3, 1 says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And there's an exclamation point in there. I didn't put that. It's in the Bible. Okay. We are a new creation and we are reconciled to God. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All it is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Because we are reconciled to God, part of our identity is we are reconcilers. We bring people to God and we say, or, you know, I mean, technically you can get technical. We invite people to come to know God and we say, look, he's already torn the veil. Look, you don't have to do all these perfect things to be in relationship with him. But again, I want to ask you, like, do you believe this is who you are? And there's so many more. I mean, you could just keep going with all the things that of identities that we are because we're in Christ. But do you live like this? And so many of us, we wrestle with believing that we're accepted, that we're loved, that we're actually forgiven for the things that we do that we don't tell people about. So we have to allow ourselves to receive God's love for us. We have to do that because if we don't, it's really hard to hear what he says about us. It's really hard to believe it. So if we need to uh, align our identity with who God says we are, how do we do that? I mean, we could just read lots of scriptures. You could read through all those scriptures and, and read that list and wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and be like, I'm beloved, I'm chosen, I'm accepted. You know, you could just like pump yourself up. But does that actually make it sink in? So for me, I, I realize that there are a lot of times where I have to close the gap between what I believe and what is true. Because sometimes what is true and what God says is way over here and what I'm believing is way over here. And there's two crucial questions that we can always ask ourselves anytime we realize I'm not living out of my true identity. I'm, I'm responding to this person out of a false identity. I'm responding to this person as someone who's beaten down. But God doesn't say I'm beaten down. So the two questions are who is God and who am I? Who is God and who am I? And I always come back to these two questions. So as I'm, we're going through this, I want you to use those handy dandy pieces of paper and your pens. Don't overthink this. This is just for you. Be honest. And for the love, please don't write down the correct answer. Correct answer. Okay. You're writing down right now in your situation with the things that you're going through, the struggles you're experiencing. Who is God? Okay, so we're going to go through some of the questions, but I also want you to write down if something pops into your mind and I'm like, I actually don't believe God's trustworthy right now. Write it down. You need to see that. Okay, so who is God? Now, of course, we can go to what does the Bible say about who God is? What's his character? What's his nature? That might just take a little bit of time and you can do it with a book. You can do it on the internet. What is, what is God's character? What's his nature? If you're like, I have no clue, you can start there. 
If you're reading your Bible consistently, you might have some things like, okay, well, this is what the Bible says about him. But oftentimes we ascribe, we give God character traits that are not him. They're not in the Bible and they're just things we have experienced. And so a lot of times we will ascribe character traits to God that our parents might've had. Okay, this is not, I'm a parent. I know I'm messing up my kids. This is not condemnation for the parents in the room. But you do this naturally as a kid. If your parents are distant emotionally, you might think God's distant. If your parents aren't interested in who you are and in shaping and forming who you are, you might think maybe God's not interested in that. If your parents have a lot of, you know, rules but not relationship, you might think, oh, I've got to be good and I've got to be perfect and I can't mess up or God will be mad at me. So maybe think of some of the character traits you assign to God that maybe have come from like an authority figure or a parent or something like that. I do think you need to write down though too, what do I know about God to be true? This is really important because it's not all about our experiences. Sometimes we have to believe what the Bible says is true about God before we ever experience it. But if you know God at all and have walked with God at all, what do you personally know about God to be true? Is he faithful? Is he trustworthy? Is he the one who gives me hope? Is he the lover of my soul? You can get as creative or as you know, simple as you want. Who is God to you? To where if someone was like, tell me about God. Great, great, great. I don't want to hear all the scripture. No, okay, great. Who is God to you? Who has he been to you in your life? What would you say? And it doesn't have to be one word. Write down who God has been to you and think of maybe some of the things that you've gone through that you would be able to point back to if you were sharing your testimony with somebody. Okay, who am I? There can be so much confusion about our identity because like I said, we attach who we are to what we do. Okay, our roles and our titles are not our identity. We might know that up here, but it's really hard to live that out. And so I think it's helpful to write down what roles or titles do you currently have? You could be like, for me, like, okay, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a friend, hopefully I stay a friend forever, <laughs> you know, but um, you could be like a pastor, elder, you could be a student, you could be uh, an employee, you could be a, a, a leader, a boss, business owner, write down the roles and titles that you currently hold. And this is more just for you to go back and to see how much am I assigning an identity to something that can be taken away from me or something that might end? Okay, so what value have you or others assigned to those roles? That's also important because that tells us sometimes where we're going wrong. So I might think, man, I am not a good mom. I am a mom, but man, I'm not a good mom right now. And being a mom is the most important calling. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, if I mess my kids up, then I might as well, I mean, I should just do nothing else except that. But God can call me something in my role. And he might even say, I've called you a mother. And you might not actually be a mother on this earth. But if God calls you a mother, whether you have earthly children or not, that means he's assigned an identity to you that you are to mother others, that you are to be a safe place for people, that you are supposed to speak identity into other people. So you can be a mother, an identity that God has given you and not have any earthly children. 
Okay, how much is your identity tied to those roles? Already said that, okay. Um, labels. Labels limit and identity liberates. So we have all had words spoken over us. Think back to when you were a kid. I don't know why, but like I always say, third grade. Third grade on the playground, anybody? What were some words that were spoken over to you by someone that you might actually still remember as a middle-aged or older person? What are some of those things? Because those things put us in a box. And like I said, it could be, you know, you're, a, you're a, the glue that holds your family together. You are, you're just so nice. Has everyone told you you're nice and now you feel like you have to always be nice and you can't ever say what's honest or true because you're the nice one in your family? Or maybe you're the successful sibling and so you feel pressure to always look successful. Maybe you're the quiet one and everyone just expects you to just be quiet. You're the doormat. You're the black sheep of the family. Have any of those things, and you might be thinking of your own, what are the things in your family? You know, I'm the good daughter or son, and I'm the bad, you know, I don't care. I mean, like, what are the things that you've said about yourself or other people have spoken about you in family, in relationships, on the playground? (laughs) Because those things matter. So what are the ones that have hindered you and what are the ones that have empowered you? Because sometimes people will tell us something and they'll see something in us before we ever walk in that. And we're not actually walking in it yet. And someone will be like, you're a good friend. You're like, no, I'm not. I never call my friends back. I never do that. No, you're a good friend. That's, that's who God says you are. You're a good friend. You're a leader. I'm not a leader. I'm not leading anything. Actually, I'm just, I'm, I'm totally riddled with insecurity. Nope. You're a leader. That's who God says you are. And you don't have to actually have any leadership roles right now to step into that identity. It also might be helpful to think back to any really impactful events that imparted identity into you. Because God loves to secure our identity in really impactful times, maybe, you know, traumatic times. And the enemy loves to swoop in and whisper something in those moments that will attach itself to um, our identity. And then, of course, we're tempted to live outside of our identity as soon as we compare. So in what areas of your life do you usually compare yourself And even if you are like, I know who I am, (laughs) we all, we all compare ourselves to others at some time. So in what areas of your life do you compare yourself to others and to whom? Is there a certain person or a certain type of person where you're just like, man, they're so amazing. I have so many friends. I don't know why, but they're the most intentional people and they remember birthdays. Do you know how hard it is to remember birthdays? I mean, like Pete can't even remember our kids' birthdays. And I have started trying to put people's birthdays in my phone and somehow I still miss the reminders or I forget. And I'm just like, ugh, just wish I was a better friend. I wish I could, you know, be like whoever. I have so many friends that are like this where they, they think of someone ahead of time, they get the gift ahead of time. And it's just like, I wanna be like them. But if I dwell on that too much, doesn't mean I can't improve and put the calendar, you know, birthdays in my calendar and and look at the reminders. But if I dwell on that too much, it's not going to help me be a better friend. It's not going to help me be more intentional. And it's just going to make me step out of my true identity. So we have to stop agreeing with the enemy of our souls about who we are. We have to stop 
We have to stop doing this. And I'm saying this out of, you know, I've, I've said before, some messages just kind of flow out of you and it's just like, you just can't keep it inside and it's bubbling up and other messages, it's like you have to fight for them. And I've been fighting for my identity <laughs> the last few weeks. It has been a fight. Things I'm not normally fighting for. And it's like, I have had to say over and over again, this is not who I am. This isn't who God says I am. I feel like this right now, but this is not the thing that God speaks over me. He doesn't call me this. So why am I agreeing with what the enemy says about me? It's foolish. <laughs> Here's the thing. So we have to stop believing the voices that tell you that you're rejected that you're defective, that you're ugly, that nobody wants to be your friend, that nobody sees you, even if people really seem to not see you. We have to stop agreeing with everything that God doesn't say about us, even if it seems true. So you gotta say to yourself, if God doesn't say it about me, I'm not gonna say it about myself. If God doesn't say I'm a weak link, then I've gotta stop saying it about myself. Even if every single time I do something challenging with friends, I am the one that they're helping. I've got to stop speaking those words out of my mouth, okay? If God is not the one calling me that name, because it could be a good thing, you are just so amazing the way that you see people. And maybe that is something that God says about you. But sometimes we'll take pride in things that are compliments that other people have told us or that we feel about ourselves. And God's like, that's not what I say about you. So if God doesn't call me that, I refuse to agree with that identity. I will not partner with the world. I will not partner with culture. I will not partner with the enemy of my soul. So um, the ushers are going to hand out some name, or not hand out, they're going to set out name tags. We'll have a basket here, basket here, and we'll have a basket at each of the worship stations. So I don't know, look at your card. Did you write anything down? At least write down, if you don't have anything yet, who is God? Who do I know? What do I know about God to be true? And who am I? Or who do I think I am? And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to put up some questions here, and we're going to ask God who he says we are. And so one of the things in the fighting for my identity and to not agree with the enemy over the last few weeks, the cool thing is, is I've done a lot of praying <laughs> for all of us here. So I've prayed that, because um, the, the temptation is this. One, if you're like, oh, the moment's coming. We got, we got to know something. Um, is that you will feel like you're not going to hear anything. And you'll feel like everyone else heard from God and I didn't. It's okay. God might speak to you right now. He might speak to you later today. He might speak to you while you're driving in your car on Wednesday or while you're washing dishes on Friday. Like God's going to speak to us about our identity. Okay. And I believe what God wants to do is highlight and identify the things we believe that are not from him. And I believe he wants to replace it with something that he says about us. And so um, I want to pray, but in each of these baskets are name tags. And this is where you get real vulnerable, guys. Uh, just take one. It says, hello, my name is. And when you feel like you've heard from God, you come up or go to the back and get a name tag and write 
what you feel like God is saying. Now, maybe it's something he's already told you and you just need to believe it. Maybe it's something that you're like, this is so cheesy. God says, I'm beloved. He says that about all of us. Um, That is actually something that God has been working in me for a long time because apparently it's really hard for me to believe. So he just won't stop. And I'm like, we're all beloved. And he's like, no, you, you, you are my beloved. You, you are my beloved. You're my beloved. So whatever that thing is, write it down. And then we're going to walk out of here. Some of us might have our name tags on with the names and identities we believe. And you can call each other that. Some of us might not have anything. And there's no shame and there's no condemnation in that. Because this is not about performance. It's not about looking like everybody else or feeling like we fit in. It's about hearing God and waiting on him to tell us who we are. So we're going to pray a prayer here. And uh, if you guys will just close your eyes. And we're just going to have a little bit of uh, instrumental music so we don't get distracted with, with words. God, we look to you. We settle ourselves in your presence right now. We settle ourselves in your embrace. We settle ourselves in your love. And God, we choose in this moment, to take off every false identity that we have worn. We choose to reject every thought and mindset that seems really easy to believe, but is not authored and born in your mind about us. We choose to turn our ears away from the voices of the accuser, and our accusers, and we choose to turn our ears to you, we open our hearts to you, and we want to hear what you say about us, and we want to hear what you call us. And in this moment, we just silence every lie, we silence the voice of the enemy, we silence the lies, and we just say, you get to speak truth over us, only you. Amen. So we're going to ask God, what are the words of identity that he's already spoken over you that you might just need to embrace? And this could be prophetically. Maybe someone spoke it over you prophetically. You're a pastor and you're like, oh, I don't want to be a pastor. I hear you. I hear you. But if God says you're a pastor, we might think that means I have to lead a church or get paid, be on staff at a church. And maybe God's like, you're a pastor at your janitorial job at the high school. You're a pastor wherever you go. What is maybe a new identity or a new name he wants to give to you today? He might even speak to you about your actual name that you were given at birth. Ask him though, what is that name or what does that new identity mean? Because sometimes God has given me words before and I didn't like the word because I had a connotation, a picture in my mind of what that word meant. So ask God, what does that name or identity mean? Or maybe, what, is, what does God say about you and over you? Maybe he, you hear a song. You hear a melody. Maybe it's not actual words. But there might be something that he's saying over you. He might give you a picture, whether you're artistic or not. Try to draw it out, sketch it out. But here's the thing. Our collective identity, we have this collective identity here that we are beloved sons and daughters 
and we're finding our identity in Christ. We're discovering it in Christ through intimacy with the father. The father gets to speak identity into us. And he does that as we spend time with him. And then we get to live out our purpose empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's our collective identity. And that's important. But here's the thing. You need to know who you are too as an individual. And I do want to say before, um, before I get off of here that whether you're you know, watching from home or whether you're in here and you're like, oh, that's great. You guys, are, you're a club. You're a club of believers and I'm not in the club or I, I walked away from the club. Um, it's not a club. It's a family. And so there's lots of different ways to talk about the good news. What does Jesus offer us? But this is one of my favorites. That if you don't know God as a good father, if you don't know Jesus as your savior and your king and your friend, and if you think it's weird to have a Holy Spirit living inside of you (laughs) and working through you, um, here's the good news is that no matter what, no matter what you've done, you're dearly beloved by God. You just might not know it yet. And that God has a purpose for your life. But enemy also has a purpose. The enemy and, and evil has a purpose and a plan for your life as well. And you have probably been marked by sin. You've probably been marked by selfishness, your own selfishness and the selfishness of others. And you might believe that you're always going to feel hopeless You might believe that you're too far down a path to turn around. You might believe that you're damaged goods, that you aren't worthy of love. But here's the thing. God is here. And if you're at home, he's with you. God's with you. And he's opening up his arms wide to you. And he's saying, will you come? Will you come into my embrace? Will you come into my family? Will you let me speak words of identity over you? His words heal us. Will you let me heal you? He wants to take off the the dirty, tattered, false identities that we wear. And he wants to put on a robe of righteousness. He wants to say, you're pure. You're good. You're holy. You're beloved. So he calls you those things. Will you come to him? And that's for all of us that are believers too. Will we come to him today? Will you allow yourself to experience his kindness as he speaks to you? Do you want to know how loved you are? Ask God, how loved am I? Do you want to know how loved you've been this whole time, whether you've been walking with God, walking far away from God, whether you feel like you're failing in every area of your life? That's the good news. Do you want to know how loved you are? Then let God speak to you.